Good morning. <laughs> There's a little switch here somewhere. I'm sure I can find it. All is well with you? Good. Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord? Good. How many of you like basketball? Okay. Well, I received notification this morning that our Bethesda School girls varsity basketball team won their first playoff game last night. They won it 56 to 25. That was the girls varsity team. And then I think you, they've got a, something up there. I've been notified by our head of school, who he and his wife are volunteering in the children's department this morning. They want your support as a church for our, our boys varsity team. They have one district, um, and they are now in their first area uh, playoff game, area playoff game. Tomorrow night, they finish district with a 5-1 and one record. Uh, they take on, take on Coram Deo from Plano tomorrow night in our gymnasium at 6 o'clock. Tip-off is at 6 p.m. They want you to wear your Bethesda blue, which is about the color of that, if you have anything like that, and come and cheer our guys on to, the, to victory. Now, I'm told that one of the reasons our guys did so well is that they have had an incredible support team. In fact, I'm told that uh, by Jason Myers, he says, I've never heard so much noise in that gym because the Teen Challenge ladies came and supported them. Let me just say the ladies know how to raise a hallelujah. So I'm sure we're counting on them, and uh, it'll be a good way for you to so show your support to our school, particularly if you come and enjoy a good playoff uh, basketball game tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. That would be a wonderful thing. And then we, you know, obviously we can't honor everyone's birthday, but if you make it to 95, we decide we'll... So where's Miss Lois Fry? Stand up. Happy birthday to you. And don't you hope you'll look that good at 95? <clears throat> She's not showing any signs of slowing down either from what, I can, you know, from what I can see. Well, I need to let you know um, that a couple of our precious brothers from the fellowship have passed away, one just this morning at 9 o'clock. I'll mention that in a second. But we had the funeral of Brother Ben Della Rosa uh, at the church this week. He is the father of... Um, Marcelina Lozano, and so I'm sure you'll want to, if you are unaware of that, you may want to <clears throat> give your condolences to Manuel and Marcelina and the passing of Marcelina's dad. And then I've just learned this morning that probably one of our longest standing members, maybe the longest standing member, Brother Raymond Vanoy, has gone to be with the Lord. That's Linda Gregg's dad. And so his brother Ralph is here this morning, and so uh, I don't know it's just happened. I don't know, have any of the funeral arrangements yet, but uh, faithful, faithful, wonderful people. So we pray God's grace be upon these families in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. amen. I want to make you aware that we will be observing uh, the Lord's table, observing communion in this service at the end of the service. So please be sure you remain until the service is, uh, is dismissed and be a part of that with us. How many love the Lord today?
I have something that for me is a little different to share with you today, and all I can tell you is it's something the Lord has been prompting on my heart for quite a while, and um, I want to share it with you, and the approach may be a little different, but it has to do with the future. I think all of us, to varying degrees, have an interest in the future. You may be interested from the perspective of the stock market and what's happening there, some of you may be wanting to know what's going to happen in your future with regard to who you're going to marry. Uh, even others uh, may be interested in the future and how and when you're going to depart this earthly life. And I want to talk to you this morning, and hear me carefully, about something which Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus, in speaking of the Holy Spirit, said this. He said, He will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. My message title this morning is Lift Up Your Eyes. And I want to dedicate this message to my dear friend Steve Rousseau, who is very close to entering the gates of heaven himself. I was able to be with him on Friday. Priscilla was with me there. And um, dear, dear faithful brother, member of the choir, almost the entire time that I was the minister of music. <clears throat> so um, I have a special heart toward him today. That oft-quoted verse from Jeremiah 29, 11 that we know so well has become a favorite of so many. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. How many of you are thankful this morning, those believers in Christ, we can be assured that we have an incredible future ahead of us? And I'm just going to ask you to be sure that you don't relegate that verse to this life only. I think when the Lord is speaking of our future and our hope, it also has to do with our eternity. And uh, come, come what may, our future is in Christ. Hallelujah. John chapter 16, please. Take your Bibles, your devices. John chapter 16, the Gospel of John. And in verse 12... Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, there's much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. There's much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. In other words, you're not in a condition to hear it. Uh, I would love to tell you more, but you, you can't hear it right now. The Lord Jesus was always so very careful to give his disciples the right amount of truth at the best time, which is always the mark of a great teacher. And we know that the Holy Spirit is our teacher today, and he follows that same principle. He teaches us the truths that we need to know when we need them and when we are ready to receive them. That is exactly why you often hear us talk about something that we refer to as progressive revelation. Progressive revelation. That's what we mean when we say that God is taking us from glory to glory, from grace to grace, and from revelation to revelation. Jesus knew his disciples. He knew them well. He knew what they could bear and what they could not bear. And so he says to them, I have a lot that I want to say to you, so much that I want to tell you, but you're not ready to hear it yet. Your ears are not open. Your eyes are not open because you're still focused on the immediate. You're still focused on that which is right before you, just right in front of you in the natural. And you can't hear anything outside of that. And so you can't bear the things that I want to share with you. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Verse 13, 
But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Say future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Christ was telling his disciples, I'm going to win a victory for you. I'm going to return to the right hand of God and everything will be under my authority. There will be a tremendous inheritance given to me of the Father when he raises me from the dead. And everything that he gives me is now going to belong to my people, my church, my body. And then the Spirit of God, which I'm sending you, he says, will show you some of these things which are to come. You and I cannot, of course, see them all because there's no way we could ever understand it all. Let me, let me demonstrate a little bit of what I mean by that. Take someone who has never seen. They are completely blind. They've never heard. Completely deaf. They've never tasted. They've never smelled. And their entire senses are completely shut down. Stand them on the top of the tallest building in downtown Dallas or downtown Fort Worth and snap your fingers to open all of that person's senses at one time. It would be a sensory explosion, the likes of which you and I cannot even imagine. When I think about that, particularly if they're in downtown Fort Worth facing Cowtown, I think it would be an incredible... <laughs> Explain it to your neighbor, would you? Now, listen to me. Multiply that by a hundred billion. And that's about what it would be like the moment we leave this earth and appear in the presence of God. The scriptures tell us clearly that in that day we will know as we are known. Mysteries will be resolved. Questions will be answered. There will be an explosion of knowledge in our minds. And we will realize at that point how small, in a sense, our thinking has been in comparison to what all God is going to reveal to us and in us and through us for the glory of his name. How small our thinking has been and what a day, glorious day that will be. Now, when the Spirit of God comes into a person's life, he starts to show us things to come. Many of you, even as new believers in the house today, are beginning to just experience that. Things you've not thought of before, things that have not been uh, uh, front in your mind or that, you, or that you've not seen before. God begins to show you things to come or things about your future or about the future. He starts to tell us that old things in our life will pass away, thank God, and all things will become new. Somebody say hallelujah. And he shows us things like, he starts to show us that prison doors, which once held us captive, will have to let us go. Wounds, we start seeing this about our future. Wounds that once bruised us no longer have the power to do so in our lives anymore. Somebody say, bless the Lord. 
He starts showing us a, a, a plan and a purpose which he has for each of us and the abundance of supply which God has already given us in Christ Jesus to achieve to the fullest everything that he has called us to do and to be. Whatever God has called you to do, you will be able to do it by the Spirit of God upon you and within you. And because the promise of God has been given to you, that there is nothing that can stop you in Jesus' name. Just like he says to the church in Philadelphia uh, in the book of Revelation chapter 3, he said this, You have a little strength, but I have opened a door before you, and no one can close that door. He's going to reveal to you power to accomplish In fact, he even says, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. The strong inference there is that you're going to be able to have power over things over which have had power over you before. So he begins to reveal things to us about our future in Christ on this earth. There is a revelation of the power of God that is available in Christ Jesus even to stand up against the darkness and by the grace of God inside of our hearts to see that darkness Push back one more time into the sea. Other things he's showing us. He will give you an endurance which the Holy Spirit will show you. It's, uh, it's that ability which God gives called long-suffering. Say that. You know what that means in the Greek? In the Greek it means long-suffering. In the Hebrew it means long-suffering. It's that ability to endure things that, hear me, others around you without the Spirit of God cannot endure. Yes, He even gives you the ability to bear with one another in the body of Christ. Thank the Lord. And to believe and to hope and to endure when in the natural you would have really rather have written that person off. There's a nervous quiet in the room right now. I'm just glad I can say this this morning of a truth. In the kingdom of God, nobody gets written off. Hallelujah. There is something of God that puts a vision in our hearts, not just for ourselves, but for others around us. That was referenced in something we sang this morning in our time of worship, that I can be something of God to those who are around me. This is all the work of the Holy Spirit when He is showing us things to come. Like Jesus said, He will show you things to come. He'll give us an endless, uh, He'll give us an, an understanding of the endless supply of provision. He'll unlock the Scriptures. And even in the Old Testament, we'll see the oil pouring into the lamps and pouring an inexhaustible supply, symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit and the inexhaustible supply of the Holy Spirit. Because it works like this in the kingdom of God. The more we give out, the more God gives in. I need an amen for that. The more we give out, the more God gives in. The more we let go, the more he puts in our hands to let go. How many of you found that to be true? That's why it's an amazing thing to walk with God. Something else he's showing you about your future. He will show us strength in the midst of our battle. Strength in the midst of your battle. 
probably most of us in this room are facing some sort of battle today. I want to announce to you today, God's giving you strength today to face that battle. I love that song that sung by people in songs. I, I think it was written by a young gal from Dallas, Alyssa Smith. It says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Love that song. King David saw that same thing when he said in, in the, the uh, fifth verse of the 23rd Psalm that we all memorized as a kid, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I can be surrounded and they can all have their swords drawn and wish me harm with their swords and waving it and being so powerful, but all they can do is butter the biscuit in my hand with that sword. Because it is God, it is the Lord who has prepared the table before us in the presence of our enemies. Therefore, there is nothing they can do because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord in Isaiah 54. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And so when we come to take Christ, take him as our Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God comes then into our earthen vessel, and he unlocks the treasure of this book, we begin to see things to come, things about our future, things like, I think they put them up there, yeah, the freedom in Christ Jesus, healing, abundance, power, endurance, long-suffering, provision, strength. These are all things that God wants to show you about what he has for you in your future. But he's also going to tell you about things to come which are beyond this present world. It was A.W. Tozer who used to remind us that the invisible world described in the Bible was really the only real world. He said, Tozer said, if we would only see the visible world the way God wants us to see it, we would never be attracted by what this visible world has to offer. The things of this world seem so real because we can see them and feel them, and they are right here in front of us. But they are all temporal, Tozer says, and destined to pass away. Only the eternal things of the spiritual life will last. I think it reminds me of a song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look what? Full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Well, Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Wow, that's tough. <laughs> we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. In the book of Revelation, there was another church mentioned there, not only Philadelphia, but Laodicea. Laodicea was a problematic church in one sense because what had happened to that church, they had, uh, their eyes had become fixed on the abundance of this world only. They... Um, they did come to an understanding that in Christ you will have a supply, uh, 
In Christ, there will be provision. In Christ, there will be this constant measure of everything that you'll have need of as you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the things you need then will be added unto you. They got that part. But the problem with this particular church of Laodicea is that their eyes were fixed only on this world, according to John the Revelator. They were not looking above this world, nor lifting up their eyes. They were looking only at what was temporal, only what was right in front of them. Now, you remember Abraham, the father of faith. He was given the promise of God, the promise, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to multiply you, I'm going to do something so profound in your life that you will be a blessing to the whole world. And you and I know that because of Abraham and through the lineage of Abraham, we are the fulfillment, a part of the fulfillment of that promise. So God told Abraham one day to go outside and lift up his eyes and see the stars in the heavens. And God said, Abraham, your descendants are going to be like that, as numerous as that. It was something not of this world. It was something above this world. It was something beyond this world. The Holy Spirit was showing him things to come. And then traveling with Abraham out of his homeland and into the place of promise was his nephew Lot. Now let's understand this. As part of the family, Lot would have been told that there's coming a blessing to us, the family of Abraham. And the blessing would be so profound that it's going to touch the whole known world. Lot would have, would have known that he was invited to be a partaker of this journey. And it came to the point where, physically speaking, he and Abraham, they had so much cattle, they could no longer dwell in one place uh, due to an insufficient supply of grass. And so Abraham said to Lot, said, lift up your eyes and choose where you want to go. And so Lot did. He lifted up his eyes, but only so far, about like this. You see, he had this doctrinal perspective that all the blessing of this life was going to be found in this world. Therefore, he made his choice, which was Sodom and Gomorrah, and he raised his family there. You know the story. And Bethesda, if we only raise our eyes so high, and it is only this world that becomes our source of supply and provision, well... You know what happened. One day the enemy came in and captivated that place and took Lot and his family away. But if all we can see is the, of this world and our gaze is only about this high and your happiness is because you have a certain car or you have the house of your dreams or you have money in the bank or your retirement's all in place, that's great, happy for you, honestly. But someone needs to remind us that it is possible that a day is coming when if that's what we are banking on, that all of that could be taken away from you in an instant of time. If that's where your eyes are focused, then you need to understand it can all be gone in an hour. In an hour, it can all be gone. What do you think really mattered on 9-11 of 2001 when the towers were struck in New York City? What do you think the people on the upper floors who maybe had an hour left to live, what do you think mattered to them? At the, how high they had climbed on the financial chain? Do you think that mattered? 
Do you think it mattered at that moment which college their kids were in? Do you think it mattered how many cars they had? Do you think any of it mattered at that moment? It can all be taken away. And according to the book of Revelation, chapter 18, verse 10, it can be gone in an hour. In one hour, Babylon is going to be judged, that verse says. In one hour, in one hour, one hour, it's all going to be gone. And I'm telling you that the Bible declares that a day is coming where everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And that only that which cannot be shaken will remain. Proverbs 23, verse 5 says this, In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. God gives us spiritual eyes to see beyond the comforts and the allurement of this world, to give our focus and eternal values to those things which cannot be shaken. Somebody say, thank God. Shall I? As your pastor, it is often heartbreaking to see how clearly many of us in the church express our values. We've lifted our eyes about like this. It's going to get a little bumpy here for a minute, okay? Giving you a warning. And we demonstrate our inability to lift our eyes and give ourselves to the eternal values that really matter. Maybe I'm a little more sensitive to this today because we've had two precious brothers pass away. I've got another one that's close to heaven's door. We just buried our precious pastor emeritus just a few weeks ago. You know what that does? That makes heaven a little more real to me than ever before. But it concerns me when I see those in the church who only are willing to lift their eyes about right here. I'm watching parents of adolescent children lift their eyes only so far just to see the college years for their son or their daughter. I would to God that we had parents who were as concerned about their child's calling prep as they are about their child's college prep. I would to God that we had parents who were as concerned about their child's eternal soul as they are about their commitment to sports and other activities, which keep that child out of the house of God and out of the place of worship. Am I against those things? Obviously not. Both of our kids played sports. Both of our kids played a band instrument. Both of our kids were involved in lots of other things. You want the best for your children. But we did not reach the point of selling out their eternal soul for the sake of those things which so quickly pass away. It breaks my heart. I know you think your child is going to get an amazing scholarship to a fine university with his or her athletic ability. But let me just help you with that today. And I prove, I can prove my facts. Just 2% of all high school athletes in this country get any kind of scholarship to compete in college. And roughly 0. 0.00075. That's three zeros followed by the 75 after the point. 0.00075% make the pros each year out of an original population of 1.1 million high school athletes. And you're willing to risk your child's eternal soul? You're willing to keep them out of the house of God? You're willing to keep them out of corporate worship? 
You're willing to keep them home even from the ministries that this church offers in children's ministries and youth ministries and instead and choose another priority? Parents, lift up your eyes and see beyond the temporal for your child to see the eternal for your child. I'm all for getting the best education you possibly can with the aim of using that college education to fulfill the call of God on your life. I'm all for sports and all the benefits that come from it. I hope you all show up for the basketball game tomorrow night. I just don't place it above the eternal. I'm all for the financial blessing of God on your life and pray that you'll remember that the blessing God has bestowed upon you is so that you can be a blessing to others. And that you'll remember to be faithful, hello, in your giving, demonstrating your gratitude to God for your blessing by giving him the first 10% and be grateful for the remaining 90%. That was a weak amen. amen. But let us ever remember that these things of this earth are temporal and can be taken from us in an instant of time. It's just the reality of life, folks. It's the reality of life. The truth is that in this life on earth, sorrow comes to every door eventually. Not everything works out according to your plan or my plan. Sickness comes to everyone at some time. Relationships are lost. Loved ones die. Jobs are lost. And if our eyes are not lifted higher than these temporal things, our confidence can be taken away and certainly can be shaken. That's exactly why Jesus counseled the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3.18. He said, I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Buy of me truth that has been proven. Buy of me something that is, a, is of eternal value and not just a temporary value in this world. Buy of me something deeper and buy of me ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. Maybe it would be good for all of us, starting with me and all of us, to pray a prayer like this that says, God, you are the one who said in the temple that day that you had come to give sight to the blind. So, Lord, if my vision is limited, wherever I am in my spiritual walk, if my vision is limited, would you touch my eyes with that ointment? Would you help me see something beyond this life? Would you take me to a place where the storms may come and the waves may rise, but would you place my life upon that rock that cannot be taken down by the storms of this life? I'm asking you, O oh God, to do something in my life so that I'm not riding this wave of circumstance-dependent Christianity. Circumstance-dependent Christianity. Take me farther than this, for there are eternal things in the heavens that are promised to each one of us. And though things can be lost in this world, they cannot be lost in that world. So God, help me to lift my eyes higher than Lot. Help me to lift my eyes up higher the way Abraham did to see something of the heavens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul always had an eye toward the eternal. He said in Romans chapter 8, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are what? They are not worthy. Say that. 
I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know what Paul was doing? He was demonstrating the ability to lift up his eyes and see something coming. He could look into the future and see that this earthly body is going to give way to a heavenly body. Thank God. God gave him a vision of eternity so that he could endure the suffering of this life. Yes, he was stoned. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. And that's the man who went through all of that who tells us that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to come. The glory that is to come. I said the glory glory that is to come. So let us be reminded of the words that Paul gave to the Thessalonian church, knowing that they were headed into some bad stuff. He knew that they were headed into some greatly perilous times of unspeakable persecution. And here's what he said to them First, in 1 Thessalonians 4, starting with 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. He knew they were going to suffer. But he was saying to the Thessalonian church, suffering is only temporary because there is coming a day when God is going to look down. He's going to say, that's enough, son. Go get your church. Go get your bride. And according to Scripture, the angel is going to rise up and with a shout, I'm sure it will be raising a hallelujah, the likes of which we've never heard in our lifetime, with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. That, am I telling you the truth today? Do you believe what I'm telling you today? Then act like it. That means everyone, that means everyone who went into the ground Yes, maybe they went in sorrow. Yes, maybe they had questions in their heart. Yes, maybe, maybe it was a hard finish for them, such is the case for many. Yes, maybe it was a long season of suffering. But one day, one day, Bethesda, one day there's going to be a shout from heaven. One day. You are going to come up out of the ground and rise up into the air. One day there will be a group of people meeting in a church just like this here in Fort Worth, Texas. One day, the day will come when the trumpet of the Lord will sound. Time shall be no more. The archangel is going to shout. And for those of you who will still be here, you're going to rise up with the dead in Christ to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. It's another way of saying this. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy, unspeakable joy, unbelievable joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God forever. Heaven is our home, and eternity with God is our future, bless the Lord. So, church of the living God, I implore you this morning, lift up your eyes, for your redemption draweth nigh. Give the Lord a clap of praise today. Bless the Lord for the hope, the blessed hope we have.
come what may in this world, famine or disease or darkness or war or social disorder or whatever it is, come what may, it's all temporary and none of it is worthy to be compared with the glory that awaits us in Christ Jesus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which I have prepared for those who love him. The apostle John, the one who leaned on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper, John who loved Christ and Christ loved him, has served God all of his life and now he's in his 80s and he's exiled to a prison on an island called Patmos. And any study at all of that prison will reveal to you that it was a vile, cold, damp, dark, despairing, and exceedingly uncomfortable place. And John could have said, God, is this how you treat those who love you? Is this how you do it? I know exactly how he must have felt. It was March the 8th, 1993. You've heard me tell, I was held at gunpoint in a hotel room in Mobile, Alabama. And I distinctly remember my thoughts, the thoughts that went through my head at that very moment. My first thought was this, God, are you serious? Is this it? This is how it ends for me? Living all of my life for you, giving everything I've had in ministry, in my family, everything we have in ministry, this is how it ends, splatter all over the wall of a Hampton Inn in Mobile, Alabama. I've served you all my life for this. John could have said, God, I've served you all my life, and this is where I end up in prison, cold, disregarded, and miserable. But the Scriptures tell us that on the Lord's day, on the Lord's day, John was in the Spirit. And remember that when the Spirit comes, he will show you things to come. When the Spirit comes, he will show you things to come. And though he was in that prison, he was in a miserable place. Some of you are in a miserable place today. John could write these words in Revelation 21. He said, in that condition, he said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea also was gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. No more sorrow, nor crying, nor pain, for all of these things are gone forever. Forever and ever. Church, God is reminding us this morning of things to come. Weeping may endure for the night, but unspeakable joy comes in the morning. Our life is just a little vapor, a little blip on the screen. And yes, there's sorrow in this life. There's trials. Yes, there's difficulty. And there's a day, but there's a day coming that is forever and it never ends. And in that place, you can't cry there. You just can't cry. Some of you cry every night. Some of you cry every morning. But when you get there, you can't cry. You know why? Because you ain't going to have nothing to cry about. In that place, there'll be no more death. You won't go to another funeral. Undertakers are going to be all out of business. All the casket makers are going to have to find new work. No more funerals, bless God. No sorrow, according to what we've read in the Word today. No sorrow will be there. Nothing that can make your heart heavy. There's going to be no more pain. 
Many of you in this room live every day with pain in some measure. And I, and I give you hope today that there's coming a day when there's going to be no more pain. Can anybody say, bless the Lord for that? And Bethesda, hear me today. This is not fiction. This is a fact. It is a fact. It is your future. It is my future. And it is forever. You may weep for a while. Your heart may be broken for a season. It may be broken today. Your body may struggle and suffer for a moment. That dream job, uh, that dream relationship may be lost. But there's something coming not far down the road. And when you get there, you will say, oh, thank God I didn't give up. Thank God I didn't give up. Because it was worth it all. Thank God I listened to the word of the Lord and I lifted up my eyes just a little higher. Thank God I did that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ushers, I want you to prepare to serve communion to the people. Lock the doors first. Brent, come on. Somebody bless the Lord in this house today. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God forever. Thank you, God. We have a hope and a future because of you. And that all the things we are facing in this house today, they are not worthy to be compared with what you have for us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I could sing this morning, and I sure can't, sure can after preaching. I can't before either, but sure can afterwards. There's a song that you old timers are going to remember that says it. Sometimes the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. Go ahead and serve the people, please. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. Thank you, my brother. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over. In God's eternal day, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless you in this house today. We bless you in this house today, Lord Jesus. Your amazing plan of salvation. You've rescued us from the pit of darkness. You've pulled us from the depths of despair. You've set us upon the rock, Christ Jesus, by your work on the cross of Calvary, shedding your blood for our salvation, and you've given us an eternity with you. Oh, my goodness. How we bless you in this house today. How we love you in this house today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of